Down the smoke. I'm Ewan and as ever joined by Greg and Harry. No guests this week, just the three of us. How you doing, boys? Yeah, not bad. Mate, how's one again? I'm buried. <laughs> what a time to be alive. Uh, right, so we've not recorded since before the Rangers game. Um, so we'll, we'll kind of touch on the Rangers game. Dundee United game. At Mirren preview, um, we're not going to preview uh, the Aberdeen game, we're going to do another recording later in the week for that, and then we're going to sit and make up imaginary transfers talk about deadline day at the time of recording. It's 10 past six on deadline day, which means there's just under five hours left in the English window, and just under six hours in the Scottish one. So, but we will start with Rangers at home. Um, I say if Morelos should have been sent off, Jackson Irvin should have scored, um, Ryan Port just kind of defend. Um, Hibs played a bit better than we did in the semi final, ultimately lost the game, but the performance was definitely improved. Anything to add on it? Um, I think that we need to give plaudits to um, Darren McGregor stepping in the team. Obviously, quite a lot of us shunned him because, um, he was pretty poor when he played in the League Cup. Um, I thought that um, Cadden had his first good game in a hip stop, which was nice to see. Some of the bo- uh, balls he was putting into the box were really good. I was speaking to my sister about it, and she was very impressed with the runs he was making. Even when he wasn't getting the ball, he was bursting a gut even towards the end of the game, which was nice to see. First half, thought we were okay. Second half, we just, as you said, Port just fell asleep for one moment. They took advantage of it. This is a good Rangers side, as much as we hate to see it. And you make that mistake against this Rangers team, you're going to lose the game. So... I, I'll not go on too much because you can I can go on spiels. But Greg, how are you feeling about that, mate? Yeah, to be honest, I thought thought it was a wee bit better than what we've seen lately. Um, it was good to see Darren McGregor back and, and he put in a strong performance. But yeah, I think that that one moment where Port just doesn't track the runner, um, and that that that's the that's the the difference between the teams. To be honest, and you know you need you need to be switched on at all times against. Against any team, to be honest, not just Rangers, but especially this Rangers team this season, they're, they're clinical and you, we switched off for, for a split second and, and that, that was the difference. And He's young and he's still learning, but yeah, disappointing because I thought he played well, but that's the way it goes. Right, so don't I need to spend any more time in the Rangers game. It was a week ago. Um, Dundee United at the weekend, it was... For me, a very good, a good performance from Hibs, especially in the first half. But, but it was like back back to normal in terms of what we've seen at the start of the season from Hibs. I don't think it was a overly thrilling game of football, but I think it's exactly what you want away from home, going to a, what could be a sticky ground away from home, clean sheet, two goals, one in each half. Professional, I guess. Um Interesting team selection, obviously. Um, at the weekend, I thought I thought the three in behind Dodge Murphy, um, definitely played a lot better than he did in the semi final. Um, I felt him and Boyle were really um sort of free. At, at first, I thought Boyle was on the left and Murphy was in behind, but a lot of times I think they two were very much sort of allowed to do what they want. 
Um, and obviously Cavan stuck quite close to the right-hand side and Jackson Irvin played a little bit deeper. And again, Dan McGregor came in and done really well. Greg, what did you make of the, the sort of team selection? What were your thoughts before the game? Because I think I've seen on Twitter a lot of people were a bit worried with the team selection. And what, what did you make of the 11 and then how that panned out in the game? I think people were worried because obviously when the two players have been spoke about all week and potential transfers have been left out, you know, it's maybe, maybe not a good sign. But I think Jack Jack Ross cleared that up um, after the game and said they maybe weren't just weren't in the right headspace. To be honest, I thought we, we'd done what we had to do um, to win the game. I wasn't overly impressed with Dundee United. I thought they were they were very much like us at home, quite, quite one-dimensional, but a bit slow in the build-up and I think it suits us when we maybe sit in a wee bit more um, and then we're able to, to pick teams off. The goal helped. It meant that they had to come out to an extent. They didn't They didn't really threaten us though. Um, and I think, I think it speaks volumes for the way they've been playing that Nicky Clark is is at the back trying to defend and, and I mean that the second goal was just one pass is taking out two players and and Boyle's tucked it away, which is good for him. Obviously, Jack Ross touched on um, his possible mental health issues that he's had um, lately. So hopefully it takes a bit of confidence for that. It's good to see Irvin getting two assists and getting involved. And I thought Caden was, was exceptional, to be honest. I mean, he was getting getting kicked about all game, but he kept going. And the play the play was, um, the play down the right was very impressive, especially in that first half. So, yeah, I think it was a better performance from us. Um Standing in good stead for tomorrow night. Um, no, we'll go on to that, but it's a, an informed St Mirren team, so I think the most important thing was the three points on Saturday. Absolutely. Harry, what about yourself? Oh, well, you can look. I'm like, yeah, I love away days. Away days are just Barry. See, when we play <laughs> Easter Road, it's a big, oh, Hibs are playing. When we're playing away from home, we can all just get the beers out and have a nice day afternoon because we can, we're going to win. I didn't really understand what that is. I don't know if it's just like... Normally, when fans are there, obviously the atmosphere kind of lends itself. Um, you get momentum and stuff from the home crowd. So it, when teams are counterattacking and stuff, but it shouldn't really matter at the moment because I think we do look better when we're not relentlessly attacking. We look better when we just try and hit them on the break and stuff. Like for the second goal, for example, it's kind of them, um, their defensive line stood a bit high up and then Irvin's taking advantage. And obviously, if Boyle can run in behind, he's going to have lots of space, which he did, took the goal really well. But I think that we're a team that kind of lend ourselves to that. And at home, we just don't take advantage of it, which doesn't make sense because the pitch is bigger and stuff. But, you know, what can you do? But, um, yeah, I'm glad that they had a steel net um, because Darren McGregor's ball would shot would still be travelling if it wasn't there. Uh, <laughs> but overall, performance-wise, I thought we were really good. I thought that there was no point where I... Because in recent weeks, when the opposition's been on the ball, it's been very nervy. Every time they, they touch it in our half, I think they're going to score. But the defence just seemed reassured for some reason. I think that Hanlon and Porteous both having goals out the team's going to be massive for them moving forward. I think that both of them needed a rest and I think being dropped for them will be a relief because as much as I say that they're undroppable, it's, there's also a lot of pressure that goes with that because there's, yeah. the no, there's a lack of pressure in the sense that, oh, we can play every week, but there is the pressure. We're playing every week. So I think that for them, that, that McGregor's came in and played as well as he had the past couple of games. I think that'll be a big thing for them. Um, I don't think Deutsch done much, which was disappointing because I thought it was going to be his game to kind of show that he can lead the line. Um, amid Good all record the, there. But, um, I, uh, I thought amid, amid all the Nisbet rumours that it would be his 
uh, time to shine and be like, look, I am the main striker here, it's fine. But I didn't think he performed very well, which was disappointing. Um, but yeah, Murphy looked back to his best. He looked quite good on the ball. He was quite direct, I thought, when he was going at players. Um, and yeah, I felt overall performance. Irvine, Cadden, sign them up on 18-year deals each and I'll be a happy guy. That's it. <laughs> yeah, for me, like, I think with Dodge, like, I think, yeah, maybe... He wasn't on. He wasn't great, but I think the three behind them definitely helped, and I think he done well to link the play with them. And how much that they showed is that, because I was when I seen the team as well, it wasn't even so much the transfer side of things. Like, like I expected Porches to be dropped after the Rangers game. I mean, he got when you rarely do you see a centre half subbed off. I didn't know if he had a knock or what, but I expected Hamlin and McGregor to be the centre half. And this bit one surprised me, but I think what it showed is that. I think Dodge is the better option. If you're playing with one up front, then Dodge is going to be the better option. Not for goals or that, but you lose the benefits of Kevin Nisbet if he's up front and he's only three behind him because the benefit of yeah, he, he does score Portugal's goals, but he does like to come deep. He does like to get involved in the play and stuff. But if you're the one striker, you can't. You know what I mean? You have to just stay up. You have to stay up the pitch, take the hits. and Not that Nisbet isn't capable of that, but it's not exactly his forte. Um, I was really, really impressed with Chris Cadden, especially in the first half. I thought he was a bit quiet in the second half, but he was very good in the first half. And like Greg, he was just like, when we put in the group chat for like 15, 20 minutes, they were just taking turns. You know what I mean? I think the fullback had a goal, the centre half had a goal. Um, was it Fuchs, the boy in the middle of the park? He had a goal. I mean, teams are going to consistently, he basically got the Martin Boyle treatment, and teams are going to do that until the referee books. I mean, obviously, we got to like the 70th minute and then the referee decided Darren McGregor deserved to be the first book in every game which was interesting but um, no, I thought it was a really accomplished performance by Hibs would probably be the best but I think you've seen the best out of Chris no, maybe not the best but you see exactly what Jackson Irvin and Chris Cadden can bring to the team the pass that Jackson Irvin played the pass he played was really good but I think that team is set up perfectly for away from home there's so much leg. You've got Doids that you can go direct to, which we look, we had to do it. Dundee, one, the pitch wasn't great. And two, like Dundee United were launching it. And at the end of the day, sometimes you need to go more direct and get teams turned. And Boyle played, I think in the second half, he was definitely a lot more central than he was in the first half. But Boyle down the middle, away from home's perfect. And you look at the legs, like Murphy isn't slow. Cadden and Boyle are rapid. Doidge is... Dodge can cover the ground, he's a big guy. Irvin's got plenty of legs in the middle of the park. Gogic can get about the pitch as well. Like there's it might have not been a team that was set up to play beautiful football, but you had legs in the pitch and that you when we did win the ball back, you could go quickly. And I felt that we had loads of the ball because I felt like every time we got on it we were going to do something, but the the sort of possession stats say otherwise. But I felt, especially in the first half, that we had loads and loads of the ball. And then what you said, Harry it was, it was back to the start of the season, like, I think the first few weeks of the season, you just never felt like we were going to concede a goal, and Dundee United, is, I remembered Marciano making two saves, and they were from, both from massively deflected shots, uh-huh. like, for, like, there can't be any complaints, and I think you're spot on with what, Darren McGregor's been very good in the two games that he, uh, that he's played, but it wouldn't surprise me if he doesn't play tomorrow, mainly he is a bit older, um, so it's like, three games in a week might be a bit of a push, but Taking Hanlon and Porteous out of the Ireland line might have just done them some good. And we've we seen it the Christmas period, the players were knackered. Well, Porteous and Hanlon have played all the games. Like Porteous, I mean, I don't think Paul Hanlon's missed a game this season other than 
when he was called up to the Scotland squad and he played for Scotland, albeit 10 minutes. And Portress has only missed games when he's went to the under-21s and he's played every game for the 21s. So I guess there is something in that argument. But I was really impressed with Hibs at the weekend and we don't know what's going to happen in the next few hours. But I think it does show that we do have more to us. And I think if you look at away form compared to home form, the players that were on the bench at the weekend should be more, de- I think, better for home games. Like, you're, I know he wasn't on the bench, but you're Joe Neils, you're Scott Allen, you're Kyle McGuinness. And I think, with especially Allen and McGuinness, been missing a lot of this season. I think that is potentially the issue for the home form. I don't know what he's making that. Yeah, I think that um, get, getting the, the kind of maybe more attack minded players like Allen, McGuinness, and and I know Newell's not overly attack-minded, but he does sit in and dictate the play well. I think getting those players in the home games is crucial. Um, we're, we're just two totally different teams, home and away, and, and I think that the way Jack Ross is a manager is reflecting that now. Um, I think he maybe does like to sit back and, and allow teams to come on to us, whereas with it at home... That's not always going to happen. You're going to find that teams coming to us are going to sit in and, and expect us to do the chasing. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think I think we've, we've certainly got players there like McGinnis that you know you're hoping he comes on a game and he's had enough injury problems to last my lifetime. So you know him and Allen in the midfield would, would be a good partnership, I think, and just that wee bit wee bit more flair. Um, I mean, we know Scott Allen likes a sexy pass, so. I think we could do a bit more of that at home as well. So, yeah, I think uh, I think at home we, we need to maybe jig it up a bit. Um, but, yeah, I thought that we'd be very professional on a, on Saturday, I would say. I think one thing is, um, obviously in football, it's very momentum-based. Like, you very rarely get a um, top-flight game in which um, both teams don't have a spell. But one thing that Jack Ross seems to have done quite well at the start of the season is we'd kind of sit off... Um, it, like away from home, we'd sit off in the first half and then second half, we'd have a spell for about 15 minutes where we'd just hammer at them and that's when we'd get our goal. But I think at home, quite a lot of the times, we'll get to halftime and we'll be scratching our heads thinking, how on earth are we not winning this game? So I don't know if it's something like we should maybe try and control the game a bit more in the second half just to tire the opposition out and try and hit them harder in the second half or something. Because yeah. one thing, even in that Dundee United game, I thought we had a pretty solid first half. I thought we looked completely in control of the game. And then the first 15 minutes of the second half, I thought we were a gash. And it took us a while to actually find our grounding and, grounding and stuff in the second half. So I don't know if it's just trying to attack at the right times is a problem when we're at home. Because obviously, most of the time, you want to attack and get the early goal and just get yourself on the front foot and in the lead. But I don't know if maybe that's the wrong tact at the moment. Because if it's not working, if it's not broken, don't fix it. But if it's broken, try your best to fix it. Eh? So yeah. I don't know if that's think, something we might see in future. I think for me, and I think it's a trend that we've seen a lot of the games this season, especially away from home where Hibs have been really good in the first half and thinking sort of St Midden away, Livingston away, um, ha- Hamilton away. Like, we have, I guess, sort of what you would say come out the second half fairly slow. But I think there's got to be a lot to be said that Hibs are better. Te- we are better at, than a lot of these teams, but we're not that much better that they're not going to have a spell. And I think there is a element of having to just come, especially if you're winning one or two nil or two one whatever. Let like and like we said, yeah, Dundee United did have a lot of the ball first for 15 minutes of the second half, but. That isn't even when they created that, that one chance that got deflected. Like, 
I think you'd, and I, even the Hamilton game where we 2 0 up at half time away from home, like, I remember, like, we were talking about group chat, like, they're going to have 10 minutes here. They're going to come out and just, just see, see, if you see through that, it's like what we say at Easter Road, oh, we've not got a plan B, but see if you're already winning the game and you give that team, it is like what Greg says about sitting in, and I think it is a case of just like, see them first 10, 15 minutes, they'll set the second half out, and then they are going to, at that point, the hour to the 70 minute mark, that's when managers start making their changes and start really thinking about pushing forward, and that's when we've got the legs to get in behind teams. So um, for me, it's maybe not necessarily the the most exciting. That had, I don't think Hibs are playing exciting football just now. Uh, we certainly haven't been for a couple of months, but the like I, I enjoyed Saturday, if that made sense. Like, I just, it was, it was just, I never felt under pressure at all in the game. I, I, I really didn't. Um, Greg, I know you've got some stuff to add to that. Yeah, I think there's a good point you've made. Um, just after the second half, they kind of came out. I think, I think they had to, to be honest, and and try and make a game of it. But I think we expect that now. And if we can see out that period of the game, then it gives us a good chance to go on and win the game. Um, it means that, that we give ourselves, as you've said before, you and just that, that base to build on. Um, I think if you go in at halftime 1-0 and you see out the first 15, two minutes in the second half, then, then you give yourself that base to go and win the game. And that's exactly what we did. Um you're right, the football isn't the most exciting at all. It's. I wasn't bored on Saturday, but I think that's because I was expecting it to be like that. Um, thought in the, the first half were, were good, but the second half it was a bit bitty. Um, but to be honest, I mean, they, they don't look... Really, exactly, and I think a lot of that is down to the lack of confidence that Dundee United have. I mean, I think the only time I really troubled was when Shanklin cut inside and and had a shot past the post, and that that was really it. Um, we looked better at the back. I think obviously, I think we were playing a three at the back, which which I think we look a lot better at. It gives us a better base on in the midfield and more stability. Um, when teams are attacking, so we played four at the back of the weekend. Did we? I'd say so. Uh, I, I think, like, being honest, at I one think point, at one too. point, it looked like we had a, we had three at the back. Um, certainly in that first half, like we had uh, McGinn, McGregor, and Hanlon, um, and Cadden, and Boyg Wing. I think it it was I think especially in the first half because how much of the ball Chris Cadden was getting going forward, mm. obviously mm. McGinn fills in behind him. It was weird, yeah. like like you were saying with Boyle, like it felt yeah. like Boyle and Murphy were both always in the middle of the park. It's almost like fluid. Like there's no real uh, like, players just kind of drop in and go. And to be honest, I, I don't mind that. If it works, it works, and it did work. So yeah. Because the way we sit, like, in that case, it is normally, what do you call it, it'll be like 3-5-2 out of possession when we're defending and then when we're attacking, obviously when players push forward, it will turn into 3-5-2. But one thing I wanted to touch on before we moved on as well, because I keep forgetting, obviously he gets loads of credit for the pass for the second goal. Unbelievable, great weight of ball and stuff. But the work he does to get the assist to McGregor for the first goal is actually brilliant. Because he manages, whilst holding a guy off, he manages to get control of the ball. And the yeah. pass to McGregor, even though it looks basic, it's a perfect pass. All McGregor has to do is run into it and absolutely 
insert Smash word here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say see well. next Tuesday, but I didn't think that was very appropriate. Um, I but he absolutely rattles it into the net. Eh? But I, I thought Irvin and Cadden were my two man in the matches, so it's good that yeah. the players that they brought in in January, even though they weren't necessarily filling the holes we need, they're actually coming to fruition, which is nice. I, I think I think as well though you you see the quality of Irvin even on a pitch like that. Nice. You know, he just reads the game so well and the pass for the second is just inch perfect and the way he boils adjusted his body is, is lovely. And you, you, really you just, go the second one. Uh, yeah. Even, I think you just see like the class McGinnis, coming through. McGinnis pushes hard, wins the ball back. Irvin, the strength to skip past <laughs> the, the boy and then the pass is very good and Boyle, that's what you come to expect from Martin Boyle these days, not the Boyle. I think Boyle two years ago probably puts that yeah. wide or hits the goalkeeper. Sorry to interject you there, sorry, Greg. Just a, just a wee bit of composure as well shown by him. I know that sometimes he, he doesn't doesn't show that composure a lot, but um, just a quick mention to Chris Cadden's boot that came flying off in the first half. RIP. <laughs> I actually don't know how the ref didn't book any of their players in the first half. I mean, that Callum Butcher just about took his leg off. Um, but yeah, that was a strange one that nobody got booked in the first half until McGregor got booked in the 70th minute. Um, yeah, yeah I mean, can we give another shout out, by the way? Shout out to LeBron Doig. What a guy. <laughs> <laughs> that, handball, that is a blatant it's not penalty. It's not. 100%. It's not. The rule nah, is mate, it's it's off balance. It's the rule, the rule for him is, to get in. Did you not? I don't know if he's watched the. the they, they spoke about it on Sports Team, but they also spoke about the rule on. Um, Sky on it was the Villa Southampton game that hit the rule now says unless it's deliberate handball if the ball hits a body part goes onto the arm mm-hmm. not handball unless it's deliberate so by the letter of law it's literally not a penalty and I that mean, being said if you Hibs should have a penalty the seconds before it so mm. I, oh, I, I thought that would have been harsh yeah. to be uh, honest I, 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 I was I was chuckling at myself because I thought he's, they got, he's got his body in the right position to to get in front of the ball uh, and the defender. The same the, as the one we got against Celtic. Pushed him over. Is it not the same as the penalty we got against Celtic, really? When Brown's pushed him. And we should have mm-hmm. had one against... I think we had one really similar where we should have had it against St Mirren at home. Yep. Um, it, see, to be honest, it would have been soft, but the same way I think McNulty could have went down. Like, aye, mm-hmm. like, exactly that. Like, but the Dodge one, aye, it's, it's handball, but by letter of the law, it's not a penalty. Like that, so I'm not really that arsed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna. Um, I know that Mickey Mellon mentioned it after the game, but to be honest, I think that's more just out of desperation and frustration at the way his team played. So that's it. It's easy to it's easy to turn around and say, "Oh, the penalty. Like, they're the big decisions that need to go for you." But one, you would need to score the penalty. Two, you'd need to have another shot on target after that, which you haven't managed all day, <laughs> other than the ones that were deflected. Like. Come, he's on. He's shy, by the way. He's, he's Barry. I, he I was sick terrible. of hearing all the all the praise about him, all the hype. Oh, this boy's good. He, he's come for Tranmere. Who cares? He's shy. He is so bad. <laughs> like genuinely, give me Jack Ross over that absolute joker every day of the week. What's Mickey Jesus. He's just doing. It's the hype he got when he came up. Everyone's like, oh, he speaks really Even well. Still, he knows people, are saying stuff. Like, people are saying he's doing a good job in that. Dundee United, look, I know they're back. They've got like one one win in ten or something. Like, they're not in good, uh, like... 
mental. Anyway, so That's, and they're losing so their striker as well. Potentially. Steady. <laughs> Steady. So, so, Go. <laughs> we have we have got Saint Mirren tomorrow night. Um, which let, I mean, obviously, I said she was after the semi final. I think Jim Goodwin might be a decent shout if Hibs were to get rid of Jack Ross. Would like to and, say again that was you and um that said that, and that was not uh, respected. I'm, I, stand, I, I stand by it that I, I think Jim Goodwin will be a very, very. I think he is a good manager. I think he'll be a very good manager. Um, they're a team on form. Uh, obviously, they lost the League Cup semi-final, but really, what's the point in getting to the League Cup final? Only fucking weirdos do that. Um, <laughs> since, since then they beat the Dundee United 5-1. Then um, they, put five, so... they put five past Dundee United and then went to Celtic Park and won at the weekend. So we have beat St Mirren twice this season, but certainly going to be a tricky game tomorrow night. Um, Harry, would you go the exact same eleven, no matter what happens transfer wise? I don't know, Kenny. Eh? It's a difficult one. Um, the only thing I'd say about St. Mirren is, like, they are red hot on form. And as you can, I've got a lot of respect for people that appreciate that the league is a bigger fish to fry than the league cup. And obviously, since they've uh, bowed out of the League Cup by choice, they have since hammered both Celtic and Dundee United. So, see, there is method to the madness. Um, Where's your method? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think that we looked, as as we were discussing, I think we looked quite fluid in the game against Dundee United. And Jim Goodwin, the reason that they went and won at Celtic Park is they went and they had a goal. But they went and had a goal against a team that had uh, Shane Duffy at the back. So, they were always going to score at least a goal from him making a mistake, which they did. Um, I think if they come and have a go at Hibs, well, if they stay and have a go at Hibs, I suppose, because they're playing at home, um, yep. I think that we will actually punish them for that. And I think that that would suit us quite a bit. And I don't think that they're going to change that mindset. Uh, daft uh, comparison, but Levante in La Liga, um, they're kind of similar in the, the league um, to St. Mirren, but they just go and attack everybody. Uh, sometimes it pays off like it did against uh, Real Madrid at the weekend, but sometimes they'll play against Barcelona and they'll get beat 4-0. So yeah. hopefully it'll be one of those games where St. Mary no, the Hibs are the Barcelona Scottish football. So. Of, of course, of course, in uh, what you got <laughs> near third in the league, we're just as well being Barcelona. Um, but I no, I think St. Mary will attack, and if we play a similar system, I think that we'll um, take advantage of that. Yeah, I think you're spot on. Like, I think this, I think that eleven that played at the weekend should be our first choice eleven away from home in every game this season. For the rest of the season, I think it's set. I don't necessarily think that eleven works at home for the reasons that we mentioned earlier. Like, I don't, I don't think there's enough in that team to break teams down that are going to sit in. And I'm not saying that when we go away from home, the teams aren't aren't still going to sit in. But the the, the dynamic being away from home for Hibs is certainly different from being at, uh, at Easter Road. And why change a winning team? Like I mentioned earlier, it wouldn't surprise me if Ryan Poach just comes back in for McGregor just because. I'm not sure if he's got three games in a week in him. And, to be honest, if Darren McGregor's going to play, I'd, if it is, I would rather they played against Aberdeen next weekend. So, it wouldn't surprise me if... Um, if we all know why. Ryan Portress came back. Well, I have Canberra signs for him, that's why. But also, I would just fucking rather have against Portress. Um, and then... And even if Nisbet's still here, um, who in the nicest way, who's going to drop? You know what I mean? Like, like who, who you cannot you if you're the manager, you can't turn. Jamie Murphy played well. Boyle scored. 
Chris Cadden played well like and I don't think I just don't play Nisbet up front on his own if he's still here like please don't <laughs> like you know what he's going to do don't you <laughs> I don't think there's any chance Kevin Nisbet's playing for Hibs tomorrow night even if he's still a Hibs player I just don't see him in the squad nah he'll be too busy picking his toys up at the pram Harry, what, you got, what were you going to say there for me? What would you think about Nisbet in the Boyle role that he played at the weekend? Because obviously we all thought that Boyle, when we read his team sheet, was going to be right wing, but it turned out he was just kind of floating anywhere in the attacking midfield position. And then obviously when he scored his goal, I think he was playing up front at the time. He had a spell about 20 minutes where he was up top. So that was probably what he done that... against Hamlet. Yeah, that, but I, I think that's what Nisbet gives you when he plays up front with someone. He doesn't Aye. stay... Like I think that's definitely what he done against Hamilton away from home. Uh, I know Scorch has done a, a piece on it and he spent mm-hmm. a lot of time deeper uh, than Doidge. And I think I think that is Kevin Nisbet's position up front with someone sort of... Remember like when Canberra played uh, with McLaren? McLaren played really central and Canberra just popped up anywhere. Like that, like I think that's sort of what Nisbet's like. Stokes done it as well. Like Cummins would stay centrally, Stokes would drift out to the left. And yeah, I think that's exactly where I see Nisbet. But um, one, if he's still a player, which as of five minutes before starting to record, looks like it might be the case. But obviously that's probably going to change again. Um, Greg, going into the game, same again for you, or do we need to tweak it up a wee bit for this informed Midland team? I thought I thought we were effective at the weekend. Um, I can see Saint Mirren coming out. You know they'll be they'll be on a high. I don't think Jim Goodwin will want to sit in. Um, they may possibly see see us as having a few weaknesses that they can exploit. So by all means, play the same same system. Let them come at us, and we've got more than enough ability to, to pick them off. Um, I probably wouldn't play um, Nisbet purely if he is still have to play purely for today. Um, I think he's he, he's having a moment, shall we say, um, <laughs> where he doesn't know what he wants. Um, yeah, I think so. I would I would keep it same as um, good option to come off the bench. So yeah, I would, I would just keep it keep it the way it is for me. Yeah. Do you think do you think Portress might come in for McGregor or if if McGregor's fit is, is his jersey right? No, that no, if he's fit, but you know what I mean. Like I think he's I would fit, say so. Whether yeah. He's, whether he's got um, the light. Yeah, for for me, for me, Porch, uh, McGregor is just—he's my type of defender. He's strong. He's he's good in the air, but I think we do possibly need to kind of protect him for the I'm weekend against him. Aberdeen. Yeah. Um, and this is where the whole Ledley King um, comes into <laughs> it, where Ledley King wouldn't train all week, but would still be a solid nine out of ten on a Saturday. Um, so yeah, I think I think we need to just. Bring Porches back in, keep McGregor for Saturday, and uh, we'll, we'll get him exterminating rats. I was interested in what uh, McGregor said after the game. Around, I think he's actually training every day again. Um, I think they were saying, obviously, the last few seasons he'd only been training sort of a couple of days a week in that way. His knees, but I certainly got the impression that he's in training every day. He's putting everything into it. Not that he wasn't before, but that was interesting. Um, one thing that I did notice when I was watching the game back on sports scene. Darren McGregor done something in the game that very nearly led to Dundee United scoring. And oh yeah, if it was Paul Hanlon. I know, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. And you're for, right. If it was uh, Paul Hanlon, I would have absolutely slated him. Um, for the just now, now early doors when Dundee United had the deflection shot that Marciano 
comfortably acrobatically yeah, saved. McGregor was fannying on the ball at the edge of the box and got dispossessed, one pass shot. And I never even noticed it at the time watching the game, but watching the highlights back, I was like, if that was Paul Hadlin, even though they never scored, it would still be getting ridiculed on Twitter than now. Like, you are Greg correct. would be fuming now. Greg's quite a happy. I hold my hands up and say I, I would absolutely rinse the boy to bits for that because that that is amateur stuff and Paul Hanlon <laughs> is amateur, but because it's Darren McGregor, you know, he may, he makes some he must mistake like that and then he makes up for it. An absolute thunder bastard past the goalie. <laughs> right. So speaking of thunder bastards past the goalkeeper, score predictions for. St Mirren tomorrow night and goal scorers as well please I will start us off because I got my first score prediction right of the season da, 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 da. I'm going to go for a hits to get back to back 2-0 ones we're going to go 2-0 at St Mirren tomorrow night uh, and I think now I, I had a really sneaky feeling he was going to score at the weekend I'm going to stick with him I think Jackson Evans going to score and fuck it that'll be right scoring again Thunder mm. bastard season Oh my god! I hope they've actually listened to this podcast for continuity. I've said for the last forty minutes, he might, I might drop him to keep him for the weekend. I'm saying he's going to score. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well done, Ewan. Uh, <laughs> what are you going for? I'll, I'll, I'll say. I'll actually put my neck on the line and say three 0 again. Um, Go I'm going to go Cadden, Hanlon, Ooh. and Doidge. So there Excellent. we go. And Harry, wrap us up on the St. Mirren game, please. You can walk. We're, we're back in the goals. We scored two. St. Mirren, they're all about the goals. Obviously, we're going to rest uh, Mr. What do you call it? Mr. McGregor, we need him fit for the weekend because he's got some uh, snakes to be snapping at the grass and cutting apart. So, um, <laughs> Poaches and handling between them will make a couple of mistakes, of course. So St. Mirren too. But then here's the hot take. Are you ready for the hot take? Are you oh, ready? Mr. Cadden's getting a hat trick. Boom. There you go. He's no scoring one. He's no scoring two. He's getting three. Hibs three, St. Mirren two. There you go. Perfect. Right. So that wraps us up on the St. Mirren game. So we will now move on to the January transfer window. At the time Can't of the at the time of recording. It is now 20 to 7, so there is a good three hours left, three, uh, four or five hours left of the window. What are we going to say? <laughs> um, can I just interject? And as uh, I've just seen a tweet that said Kevin Nisbet to Birmingham is off as Hibs make transfer position clear. Pick your toys up, Kev. So, yep, as Greg says, Edinburgh Live article headline Kevin Nisbet to Birmingham is off as Hibs make transfer position clear. The Easter Road Club won't negotiate with the Blues after Nisbet submitted a transfer request. Just having a wee scan of the article here. Looks like the Easter Road boss is set to get his wish after the club refused to entertain any dialogue with Birmingham. The Blues saw 2.25 and 2.6 fail. However, they didn't land their man and it seemed to deter the Midlands club who described the figure as unrealistic. Well, Kevin Nisbet. I mean, he could still go elsewhere. Um, what what happens now if he stays? I mean, but what, like, 
you hand in a transfer request and you don't go. It doesn't happen all that often. Now, something that did make me... Did he not have the transfer request in at Dunfermline last January trying to come to us? So he does have... No, he had one in at Wraith Rovers, though, to go to Dunfermline. So he's got previous. Aye. But... Is it maybe just his agents are a bit of a tube? I, I think, I think his agent seen. is advising him horrendously here. All his agent's looking agent. at is the figure he's going to be getting. And he's mm-hmm. thinking, oh, here we go. I'll get a big chunk of this. Yeah. But, and just um, Moira Gordon of the Evening News, Kevin is but going nowhere. Bring around, we're taking the offer off the table. A pretty messy episode and relationships have been damaged. Will be interesting to see how it impacts on things going forward. She replied to her own tweet with, it means that Hibs are now unlikely to pursue their interest in Callum Hendry. Thank fuck for that. Oh, no! That is not something that will upset me. He's fucking shit. He is guff, isn't he? I'm sorry, he is guff. Ah, he's terrible. I mean, don't... So, right, anyway, back to Kevin Nisbet. So, Hibs have obviously set a figure out, I'm guessing... Circa three and three to four million. If Birmingham or anyone else, so it looks like we're not going to deal with Birmingham, but um, <laughs> if anyone else came in with that sort of figure, say three million up front and a sell on clause and every other add on under the sun, would that be good business for Hibs? I know we're getting late in the window now. And if Kevin is, but does go, who, who do you want Hibs to get in? I think there's been some murmurs on Twitter around Lauren Shankland. Um, because that is money that Hibs could also invest elsewhere in the squad, even if it wasn't this window, maybe in the summer. What, or is it just too late now? He has to stay. I think I think it's too late now. To be honest, I think that we're now at that stage where there isn't a lot of time left. Hibs probably have had players earmarked, but with the time to go, it's impossible now. I think. Discussions need to be had at the club between Kevin and and the management and, and hierarchy to try and sort out whatever's gone wrong. I mean, I think he was unhappy with the way it was handled. Well, like, let's have a bit of dialogue and see why and let's try and move forward and make it a successful season, I think. That's the only way that really both parties can move forward in this. Possibly in the summer, he's probably guaranteed to leave now um, if, he, if he is unhappy, but We'll deal with that in the summer. In terms of coming in, who knows? Um, um, I think Lauren Shankland might score goals in the Hibs team, but he's not really showed much this season to suggest that. Um, the other one would be Lee Griffiths, but doesn't really seem like he's wanted at Celtic and he fell out with Lennon at the weekend again. Um, Lennon didn't hold back, again. So, yeah. Harry, what's your two pennies on it now? We know that uh, you have a journalism degree. So, tell us us what's going through the mind of the Sun and the Daily Record and the Evening News as all this unfolds. Are they just wanting to spout as much pish as possible? Well, the thing is, if you think about it, in terms of the transfer window, it's not even just Scotland, it's worldwide. Um, Obviously, COVID's hit, so we are quite... It's quite boring on the transfer front. The fact Hibs have signed two players, or well, three players, is a bit of a miracle, uh, considering yeah. it's COVID. All three transfers, mind. Um, but I think that it is the type of thing that they have 
Uh, it's a dog with a bone and they are chasing it and trying to make the most of it. Um, it's not much of a bone, but it's something, so they're going to have fun with it. Um, I think that the comments, uh, the, the thing is, it is all speculation. Um, the last time that we bought into speculation before actually hearing anything from the player, um, Scott Allen got shipped off to Celtic. So um, I do think we should try our best not to be too hasty with what we're hearing. And as you did say, as the Sun, we're no big fans of the Sun here at Down the Slope. We are happy to confirm that. Um, mm-hmm. Like obviously the record and stuff are reporting on it as well. Um, the Birmingham, uh, the article there made it sound like Hibs are villainised. Um, we're refusing to let this player leave. Kevin is a a Hibs fan. I think he's chanced his luck and he's like, look lads, this is four times my wages. If I can get this move, it'd be great. I think the, the club's probably said to him, look, we've got a, we, we're happy to let you go in the summer. We've not got any time. It's a day left of the transfer window. If, if this bid came in on the 22nd of January, I don't think we say no to the first bid. I don't think we say no to about two and a half million. I think the fact that they've done it and left us less than 40 hours to rep- replace them, I think that's a joke from Birmingham's point of view. I think Kevin Nisbet's agent's a bit pissed off. As Greg said, he's getting this big luxurious payday. You can't expect clubs um, to just take, like, in years gone by, Hibs would have done that. Hibs would have just taken it, and that that would have been a Rod Petrie thing to do. I think Ron Gordon's, like, this club has got potential. And then the more Celtic fall off as well, the more that he's going to dream Champions League. It's probably not going to happen. But it's the more the dream's still alive. And as bad as Celtic are, there's no point in us. In my opinion, Kevin Nisbet, I don't think... Is any less than our third best player. I think he's in our top three best players. I think that he's fantastic and on his day, I think he is probably our best player, apart from maybe now Jackson Irvin. Um, yep. And the annoying thing for me is £3 million is massive money for Hibs, but it shouldn't be. Like, yeah. Some like the transfers down south are stupid to see crap players like Britta Belonga a few years ago went for like £18 million to Middlesbrough, and he's crap. Unbelievable. Kevin is a better player than him. Um, and I would like to I would like to mention that Forrest invested the money horrifically on the back of that. Aye, uh-huh. it was um, not good. But yeah, the thing is, English clubs. Even Tony went to Brentford for fifteen million. Yeah, ex- exactly. And Tony played in League One and went for there, fifteen million. The, the fees are absolutely ridiculous. And with like, the EU as well, like we need to be any British assets we have, we need to be selling for a lot of money because if Kevin Isbitt yeah, goes in there. Um, and bangs in even 10 goals in the championship, that makes them apparently a £30 million player. And then they'll be the ones that benefit off that as opposed to us. So I think that like, if we'd actually got rid of him and Porteous, even though they've both been underperforming late, it would have been the worst bit of transfer business I've ever seen in my life. Unless the only thing I would say is justifiable, if we let them two go and we immediately invested the money in Kevin yeah. and Shanklin, Shanklin not quite as good as in this bit, care better than Porteous in my opinion. I think that would have been good business and it would have balanced out. Yeah. Obviously, still yeah. even the two gaps that we do need to fill. Obviously, if we could bring in Kerr and Shanklin with the offloading, I think our squad would be a bit complete. Aye, I think, but when you look at like, like you're not going to sign May players without having significant yeah. transfer income come in, but I think they would be my two if they did go. And I think the Porteous chats went very quiet today, so I think that's dead in the water. But yeah, if, if Porteous and Nisbet were both deaf, obviously long bangers do their, 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 their quick bang after after the games and I was on that and they asked about the transfers and I said that it doesn't matter what the fee is, it obviously matters, but for me it didn't matter what the fee was, it didn't like, it just, it all depended on what had done on the back yet. Like, for me, if we 
I didn't think Kevin Nisbet could go because I didn't think there was a striker that would be available to Hibs at this late in the window in a, in a bracket that Hibs could afford to that would replace Nisbet. I felt Porteous you could, probably could have with Jason Kerr if he was going to be available for us to buy. But my sort of mindset throughout it all has been pretty laid back, mainly because one, I don't see the point in winding yourself up about things that could or couldn't happen, especially transfers. When it comes to like games and stuff like that, and thinking ahead, looking at matches, I think you can actually you can sort of quantify that through form, etc., and previous results. But with transfers, like, what is the actual point? You're just everyone's guessing. Even the media are guessing. Nobody knows for sure, other than the clubs that are involved, and even then, they probably don't. So, like. I, I was pretty calm and to be honest even still if Kevin Nisbet goes I refuse to believe that Hibs do not have a striker ready to walk straight in the door behind them I just I don't think we would do it and the, I know there's been people I think sitting begging to berate the club on Twitter or fan forums and stuff like that but in the summer Hibs showed ambition by going to sign Kevin Nisbet the fans before the summer would have... The Dre Wright one was a bit weird and obviously it's not really worked out, but before the summer, fans wanted Kevin Nisbet. Fans wanted Alex Gorgic. Hibs went out and got them. Like, at the end of the day, we went and said... Hibs fans in the summer wanted Jackson Irvin. Yeah, we never got him in the summer, but we got him in January. Like, we've just signed Chris Cadden, who won't be on pennies. He was playing in the MLS. Like, you know what I mean? Like, the board are not fucking about, as far as I'm concerned. Like... We've paid Kyle McGinnis transfer fee, Christian Doidge transfer fee. Right? And I hope that the club are now speaking to Kevin Nisbet in the sense that, like what you have both said, we, we revisit in the summer. We've done it with Jason Cummins. Jason Cummins wanted to leave after won the Scottish Cup. Lennon flew him out to the Euros, said, I think he signed a new deal, which obviously had a, a release clause in it. But he said, right, stay well, get us promoted, and you can go next summer. We've done it with Scott Brown back in 2007 under a full different ownership. He wanted to go in the January, he said, wait till the end of the season win the League Cup, go in the summer. Like We've, we've got previous for it. And I think this is going to play out excellently for Hibs. I don't think Kevin Nisbet's the sort of person to just down tools. I, I don't think he'd done that well for Dunfermline in the second half of last season, which maybe is a little bit of a worry, because obviously we did bid for him on the, win, the deadline day last year, and I think his form did fade out a wee bit. But he's got a lot to play for. This. Like Whether it be at Hibs or whether it be at Birmingham or whoever, if he leaves, the difference being between him being at Dunfermline and at Hibs is if he keeps up his form, he's going to be in the Scotland squad. And then he could get a much better move than fucking Birmingham. Why would you want to leave Edinburgh? Than relegation fodder. Like, that accent, man. Oh, Jesus. But anyway, <laughs> like, I've seen maybe I've seen maybe Sheffield United are interested. You know the best thing possible? about that kind of area is Joe Newell anyway. So. <laughs> and he's already here. Like I've seen Sheffield United mentioned. Did you know what? See if Sheffield United I mean, come to be in, honest. then go. Like that's that, like they're in the Premier League. Look, they might get relegated this season, but they'll fancy their chance. It's there's it's totally different. You know what I mean? Like I don't think any sane Hibs fan would say if Sheffield United came in and bid three and a half million, I don't think anyone would be annoyed. Like I'd you'd be disappointed, but it's good money for the club in a business perspective and the it's he can't, you know what I mean? It's not like he's leaving to go to League One. But the Daily Record obviously put this quote up from sources close to Kevin Nisbet. And make of this what you will. Kevin was perfectly happy at the club last week. <laughs> he was aware that there was a bid in from Birmingham, but that didn't change anything for Kevin. 
he was happy and enjoying his football. It was then made clear to him that the club could sell him if a bid was to get to a certain level. Kevin is unhappy with the way the situation has been handled. He feels he has now been backed into a transfer and has been left with no option but to ask for a transfer. Now, see from a Hibs point of view, I'm extremely happy with that. Because as far as I'm concerned, every Hibs player's for sale at a price. Hibs have said to Birmingham, mm-hmm. you want Kevin Nisbet? Here's the fee. Birmingham have said, we're not paying that. And Hibs have went, sound. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like that, for me... End, end of discussion. Birmingham like, City have left the chat. And Kevin Nisbet, <laughs> like, Kevin Nisbet and his agent have now went, oh, so Hibs don't, Hibs don't want to keep me. No, Hibs want to keep you, but you just, like, we're a business. Like, if someone comes in and offers us this for you, then we think you can go. Like, yeah. could, oh, he's unhappy because he's got oh, fuck off. What a load of, I mean... Because, because Hibs have a valuation of him and that has not been met, then Hibs are scum, um, disgusting, run the con, I want a transfer. <laughs> like, what, what do they expect? Hibs, Hibs have got a valuation of him. It's not been met. Hibs aren't then just going to be like, oh, well, I mean, it's not been met, but we want you to be happy, Kevin. So go to Birmingham, who are 20th in the championship. Relegation fodder. Um, you enjoy yourself, son. As long as you're happy, like, behave yourself. It doesn't add up anyway. He knew the bid came in last week, and mm-hmm. it didn't change anything for him. He was happy and enjoying his football. So he was fine He's definitely he woke up it. one day and just thought, I'm annoyed at that. I want a transfer. And then, and then he found out that Hibs would maybe be willing to sell him for a bit more than he spot. Oh, now I'm raging. Like It's what? usual for the Daily Ranger to be fair. Like that's I want I wonder the sources close to him. Is that possibly Keith Jackson? <laughs> like give Harry, me what, peace Harry give us your give us your two pennies on that. And are you happy with how Hibs are dealing seem to be dealing with us? The thing is, I think that like, obviously I didn't want to be selling our best players, but if we get money that during current times, if we get big amounts of money, you can't turn it down if you can then replace huh. the hole that's missing. Yeah. I don't think that Shanklin's quite as good a player as Nisbet, but I think it would fill the void that we'd need. Um, but for me, it doesn't add up. If like I've obviously got the ability, believe it or not, to be a professional football player, but if I did and I got to play for Hibs one day, it'd be scoring and hearing the fans cheer my name and that feeling of scoring at Easter Road in front of a packed Easter Road. For me, if you're a Hibs fan, you didn't hand in a transfer request and leave because of that. I don't, so it, for I don't me, think he's a Hibs fan. I don't know where this has come from. He played for sure a he's, he's a Celtic fan, I'm sure, but he was a Hibs fan. I, I swear to God, I heard he was a Hibs fan. No? That's what, I mean, that's he, what he, he had unfinished business, so I'm not sure what's changed in six months. Has he now yeah. finished his business? Aye. <laughs> I don't get it. And the thing is as well, like, see, after missing that penalty at hand, surely you're just thinking to yourself, I want to make up for that one day. Like, I'm not saying it has to, I think he's done a good job for us. But for me, I would they leave a club after doing that? Well, not immediately, one. anyway. I don't think, I think, like, it's easy to blame agents and stuff, but if you're happy one minute, even though a bid's come in, because, like, it doesn't add up. That, that quote, I mean, it could be a pile of shite, but it, it doesn't even make sense. You know what I mean? It, like, it, it, you, you, it, it, it doesn't add up at all. And let's, let's touch on Ryan Porteous. Just, I think it was about 1.3 million was bid for him from Millwall. Hibs seem to have sent them packing with it. Are we 
are we happy that we're keeping Ryan Porteous? Uh, Harry, you've oh, obviously got opinions <laughs> on Ryan Porteous. Uh, I like Ryan Porteous, and if no, you don't. Two, no, if you said to me two months ago we're selling Ryan Porteous for one point two million, I'd have said. Didn't he be ridiculous? The boy, we're getting at least five million for him with sell-ons. He's going to be a Scotland star one day. The last, since those two months, I genuinely think he's give, he's made a mistake a game that's worthy of giving a goal away. And then in some of those games, he's actually started giving goals away. Hence why the whole support is now saying what is going on with Ryan Porteous. Um, I think that one point two million is the basement. I think that's very very low valuation of him. And for me, I genuinely think that we should be looking at about 2.53 million for him because of the amount of potential. Because he's still only 22 until March or something. Yeah. Like, I think he's 20, he might even 21, he turns 22 in March, I think. He's, right, he's dead young. Like, And the thing is, he's literally on the brink of a Scotland call-up. Like, if he has a fantastic end of the season and actually starts playing like he did towards Steve the start Park, of the season... Still well in the uh, no, true, but he'd be in the conversation which for a boy of that age, that's incredible potentially going to a major competition at that age for me, I, I think that the valuation was far too low and I think come the end of the season it will be up at least a million if anybody comes in for him for the summer and again, but if someone said to me Hibs are getting 1.2 million for Porches, St Johnston are wanting 800k for uh, care I'd, be, I'd happily make that trade I think that would be a good move for Hibs well, it's all hypothetical, and I think this has been a shed load tamer and shorter than we had anticipated, because obviously that news sort of broke that the deal was off literally two minutes before we came on and started recording, but it seems like the squad is going to be the same tomorrow morning as it was this morning. Do Let's, let's do a window summary. Jackson Irvin, Chris Cadden and Matt Macy, I know we both, uh, all three of us said that we wanted something in the final third. We weren't convinced that it had to be a striker. Chris Cadden seems to like be the sort of guy that could provide that option. Um, you've seen Martin Boyle be freer in his role on the back of that. We signed a goalkeeper because we had to. We obviously brought Kevin Dabrowski back and Lewis Stevenson signed a new contract just before the window. And then we signed Jackson Irvin on a six-month deal. The window closes right now but say, are we happy with the transfer business that Hibs have done this window, and what would you rate it out of ten? Greg. Yeah, I think I think our point would be relatively happy. I would have liked to have seen you get a new deal in Marciano, but I guess there's time for that. Um, out, out of ten, I think I'll give it an eight. I'm just hoping for a centre half as well. Um, unfortunately, that's not happened, but. Yeah, I think, I think we've strengthened areas we need to. I think Irvin will prove to be a vital player. Cadden's already showed that, that he's got it. Um, Matt Macy had a, a, a good couple of games when he first came, obviously, now he's out of the team because of Marciano, but he looks more than a suitable backup, if not someone to push him for number one. Um, so out, out of 10, I'd probably rate it an eight. And yourself, Harry? Um, well... It's difficult for me because at the start of the window, I said, I don't really care. I just want a centre-back. And then at the end of the window, I'm kind of saying, I don't really care. I just want a centre-back. However, they have added a player who I think is top quality and if he was starting for Rangers and Celtic every week, I wouldn't actually be surprised because I think Jackson Irvin is that good at football. So because of that, that puts it from a solid 12 out of 10 being Irvin and a solid 0 out of 10. So I'm going to have to give it a rounded 
I'll give it a seven. I'll bump it up one. I'll give it a seven because I'm not happy we didn't sign a centre back. I'm going to go for. I'm happy. I'm nine out of ten to be honest. Um, yeah, I would have liked a centre half, um, but the emergency Darren McGregor is actually sort of emergence. The emergence of a thirty-five-year-old legend who, as if we'd never heard him, but <laughs> the the fact that Darren McGregor has actually come in and played pretty well. Um, and even little things like signing Chris Cadden who can play right wing back so it maybe gives us even more of an option to play three at the back and stuff like that I think we've signed three very good players this window I think Matt Macy in his time showed that he is a very able deputy um, if, and the fact that Marciano and Newell haven't I think the fact Newell hasn't left this window might be down to the fact that he obviously got injured but the fact that neither of them have left makes me think we're fairly confident in getting them under new contracts because surely, maybe not so much Newell, but Marciano would we not want to cash in on a full international goalkeeper if he wasn't going to sign a new deal? I don't know. Um, we'll wait and see how that one pans out, but hopefully they get tied down to long-term contracts, but that's not really transfer window related anyway. Yeah, I mean, coming into the window, someone said you Hibs are going to sign Chris Cadden and Jackson Irvin and a backup goalkeeper for Arsenal because Dylan Barnes is going to go, I don't think anyone would have any complaints with that. So I think I think you're right. I think I think both of you are right. I think we would have wanted centre-halves. But, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty easy. I know we were sort of debating this, but I don't think you can... The defence, albeit looked very poor in certain games over the course of the season, I don't think you can argue with the stats that back up. 11 clean sheets in the league. We are averaging less than a goal a game conceded, which I think for anyone else outside of Celtic and Rangers is pretty good. Uh, it's maybe not the nice it doesn't sound great a goal a game but it's not the end of the world so Hibs are back in action tomorrow night we'll get this up and out tonight uh, a little bit shorter than our usual I think we've I don't actually know how long we're set I think we've hit about our, our mark I know we're stuck on normal an hour and 20 an hour and a half but we will be back on Wednesday night and we'll have High B the Week Harry's High B quiz etc we'll do High B the Week on the back of the Dundee United game and the St game Harry's high B quiz, we can expect we'll expect that to be on Roids. Harry, see as you've had longer to prepare for it. <laughs> uh, hopefully you have enjoyed this. We'll get it out before the deadline even closes. So our um scoring on the transfer window could well be subject to change on Wednesday nights, <laughs> depending on what happens in the next few hours. But hopefully on Wednesday night we're reviewing another win for the high B's away to St. Mirren. Cheers, lads. Yes. Yeah. Thank you.